folks, and welcome to another episode of the Cinevy Podcast. Uh, I'm you're one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me tonight is Suzanne. Greetings. Suzanne sounds a little down because somebody broke her spirit kind of on the last podcast she was on. Uh, I'm just, I'm just aggravated. Leave her at everything. Leave her alone, you can't tankerous old man, nudie. Come on now, man. <laughs> Show us on the Gary where they touched you, Suzanne. That's right. I'll call you on the podcast. I don't care, Nudie, you know? No, but I wasn't on there tonight, but um, because if I recorded shit in that show the same night as them, I got to fit work stuff in, too, so it makes it a little hard. But uh, speaking of stuff that's a little hard, uh, you know him, you love him, he's your favorite. <laughs> From Cinema Psyops is Court Psyops. How you doing, sir? Apparently, I'm a little hard, so thanks for letting the world know about that. I figured you were right. I, I, I assume that all males are at least 40% hard most of the day. <laughs> well, we got to keep blood flow going some way, but that also makes me a little lightheaded whenever that happens, so, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know what the, the, the equal for, for Kegels is for the penis, but, you know, I, I try to work mine out sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> leg day, arm day, you know, chest day, penis day. You lift you know. up a brick with your penis day. There you go. A strong pelvic floor is just good for all around sexual health. I don't like, like think that John Thor could lift a, uh, I don't even know, maybe like do like the hammer throw in the Olympics with his penis, maybe. So, <laughs> oh, Christ. Now I'm going to be Googling that later. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> really sad now <laughs> i see the man uh, now, now all i'm gonna think about are guys throwing hammers with their dicks the man bends metal. you're welcome for that image yes, indeed. <laughs> thank you the man bends metal on the stage i can imagine you could do it with his erect penis as well you know with his hands you know and yeah <laughs> oh this show, this show is starting off on way the wrong level Court would, be editing, court would be editing most of this out to put in the outtakes, but I, I'm too lazy for all that. But uh, <laughs> It either ends up in the outtakes or it hits the floor, depending upon how horrible it is. Yes. <laughs> and we've said some pretty horrible things with you guesting, but oddly enough, Gary, none of that has ever hit the floor. Eh. Not a single horrible thing we've ever said recording with you has hit the floor on the show. Yeah, waste not, what not, you know, in, in most things. it's a, I have a lot of wasted jokes, though. Anyway, Court, what you been watching, man? Actually, my wife and I just binged over the holiday weekend because we're recording this the Tuesday after uh, late, or Memorial Day. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but we just got done binging the first season of Claws, and I'm as shocked as anybody else that I liked that show as much as I did. I've seen billboards for this, and it's got Niecy Nash in it, right? She's in that show? Is that her? Yeah. Yeah, I think she plays Dez. I remember her and love her from Screen, uh, Scream Queens, where she was uh, the love object of my man crush, uh, Chad Radwell. Mm -hmm. I, loved, I loved Chad Radwell in ways I wasn't ready to deal with, <laughs> and my wife, still, my wife still teases me to this day about that, and... Uh, I loved her in that show, and that was kind of the first time that I was exposed to her as an actress. And I love her in Claws. She is amazing. Uh, it's got a lot of strong female characters, and it deals with the Dixie Mafia. It takes place in Florida. Nice. And just, it's fucking crazy, man. Like, it gets really dark really fast, and then it gets silly and weird all at the same time. Like, where just this weird random happenstance and, you know, sequences, events will take place. And things will either fall into place or just continue to get worse. It reminds me of sort of like uh, 
a Sopranos style with the the mafias going on, but with it being the Dixie Mafia, it's a lot more uh, red. Nicky? <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. When I think of the Dixie Mafia, I think of the second season of Justified, where Margot Martindale was the, the, the redneck boss of the Dixie Mafia, and she kept feeding folks poisonous moonshine and stuff. Oh, yeah, actually, she was uh, she was an independent. There was uh, other Dixie Mafia involved in that as well, but yeah, I got on my wife's nerves all the time when that season was happening, because I would constantly be like, wasn't in the bottle. It was already in your glass. <laughs> I was saying she that. Is, all, she was so good on the that time. show, though. I think she won an Emmy. Yeah, for she that, was amazing for, for that role. I think she won the Emmy for that role. I'm not if I'm mistaken, but uh, she absolutely should have. Yeah. <laughs> continue about Claws. What network is that on, by the way? I think it was on TNT. Now I picked it up on Hulu. Is where I watched it from. The wife has a subscription for Hulu, so we have minimal minimal commercials on that. Mm-hmm. And that's the first stream, the first season you can stream that now on Hulu. That's how I watched it. And I think the second season's getting ready to be released, and I'm already chomping at the bit on that. So is this uh, a Hulu show, then? Uh, it's a TNT show, but it's on Hulu, like, for streaming for people that are wanting to watch it right now. That's how I got a hold of it. Gotcha. What else? I also, uh, I also just binged my way through Cobra Kai. Whoa. After hearing your special episode about it, I was stalled. And, hey, uh, I was going to talk about that, because I binged it, too. <laughs> yeah. I got hooked up with the availability to be able to watch that thanks to a very good friend of mine, not mentioning any names, wink, wink. And <laughs> and uh, I, my wife and I binged that like over the course of two or three days, and I am shocked at how good that is. I could not it's... believe that they actually had that much depth and there's no black and white, good guy, bad guy stuff. It's various levels of just bad choices people make and how they have to live with their regrets. Really cool. It's, it's way, be- oh, I way better. I loved than it. Oh, no, I, was, I I binged it Thursday. I pretty much had a long list of things to do, and I'm like, well, I'll watch an episode, and then I'll do it. Okay, one more episode. Finally, around 9 o'clock, and I've got two episodes left, I've decided I better feed myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I binged it in a day. I also watched uh, the Cube movies again. I'm, I worked my way to Cube Zero. I still think the original Cube is probably the best, and Cube 2 has... Uh, one of my original man crushes, Durant Wayne Davies from uh, Forever Night. I used to love that when I was like a oh, kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> I used to watch it on not- CBS late at night when I was a kid and I couldn't sleep and everybody else was asleep. I'd sneak downstairs and go watch it. <laughs> like Sunday nights. Yeah, and yeah. With Baywatch Nights. <laughs> well, I, there is I wasn't the, interested in that. but <laughs> There is a connection. One of, the, one of the young stars of one of the films we're going to do was on an episode of Pacific Blue, so there you go, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of, I, I, I watched those movies in a row, and I'm still kind of working on Cube Zero, but that one's really not getting my, my attention as much. It's, I don't know, the prequel thing is not working for me, and I think it explains too much. Uh, last thing that I've, I've been binging is Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible, mm. which <laughs> which is uh, like a horror spoof thing that uh, uh, what is that guy's name? Um, oh, God. I, no, no. no uh, um, the s- British dude. Yes. It's uh, Stephen. Oh, Christ. He was in Hamlet, too. He was the main guy in Hamlet, too. <laughs> oh, God. I, can't th- I have literally just his name has fallen off the planet for me. I'm going to look them up real quick. But anyway, it's a parody of like old school British horror movies and anthology series and stuff. It does. It really picks on Amicus pretty hardcore in a in a loving tribute. It's Steve Coogan, by the way, is who I was trying Steve to think Coogan, of. Steve Coogan. Yes. Yeah. Now, 
Now, I love Dr. Horrible that Joss Whedon did. Don't get me wrong. But this Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible, I binged that like I just watched so many in a row. It's on Shudder. That's how I was able to see it. Nice. And that's where I was watching the, the Cube movies as well. And I can't recommend Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible enough, particularly if you like like Amicus and uh, their anthology movies. And if you like um, like uh, Hammer's House of Horrors that they did, that TV show that they created a while back, or even some of the older like like not necessarily twilight zones, but like the ones that were around in the sixties, like maybe a night gallery, it's going to tingle you in all the right places. And they even make references to hammer movies with some of the episodes and stuff. It's really, really funny. It sounds like it was written for me and me alone. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So clearly they were writing it for people like you and I, in that case, Suzanne, (laughs) but that's the, the last that I can recall that I've been binging lately. Oh, Oh, I, I had to go back to the Cube thing. I didn't get to mention this, but um, I think it's sad that Saw gets so much love, but Cube really doesn't, you know, because Cube came first, and it's almost the same thing as far as, like, the traps yeah. go and stuff. Yeah, and it's all automated in the Cube, and there's no rhyme or reason, and you have to figure your way out, and the traps are way more deadly and a lot more interesting. Saw is sort of like the... Uh steampunk version of cube almost (laughs) like real like low tech and just kind of make it happen and cobble it together out of junk that you have laying around on the floor you have two keys one key will let you free the other key will kill your neighbor's dog horribly what do you do you know how much dogs will you kill to stay alive (laughs) the choice is yours (laughs) (laughs) oh one key on the floor is to let you get up and get that pot that's burning so you don't burn your spaghetti. The other key is, no, I'm, I'm going to keep the scenarios going, but, you know, I think Saw's running out of ideas and I'm done with them. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of gave up um, shortly after, I think, four, um, right after right after he died, like the original Jigsaw guy was supposed to be dead, and then they just kept trying to move the story on. I still watch them, but it was like more along the lines of, you know, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. (laughs) I will give them credit, though. It is one of the only series that actually has some kind of weird, crazy continuity that they were able to follow, regardless of all the regime changes that made it happen. It doesn't work like Final Destination works, where in the end, it all comes full circle. And in the last one that I watched, which I didn't watch the last one, but the last one I watched, it's like, guess what? Carrie Elwes is back for no good reason. You know, and then, yeah, spoiler alert. I don't care. I, spo- I don't care. <laughs> listen, listen to one of the many, many horror podcasts who have done Saw retrospectives. They've already spoiled it way before I did, okay? <laughs> well, I don't think it's no reason at all. I think Carrie Elwes is back is because, you know, he's uh, he's Wesley, and uh, as you wish, you know, that's why he's there. <laughs> Check, you know. <laughs> that's why I would do it. It's like give me give me uh give me five hundred dollars in a hoagie, and not not a sandwich. <laughs> give me Michael Caine, uh, circa uh, Jaws four Michael Caine, you know, <laughs> with the curly hair, you know, possibly a, a Mario Van Peebles chaser, you know. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'm done with hoagie. Uh, Susan, what you been watching, girl? Well, I also binged Cobra Kai and was blown away by how great it was. I it, once again there was no good guys, no bad guys, and I, I I was just I was really surprised at the care that was taken with it. I was I have to admit at first I was expecting them to, oh I don't know, 
just try to revive the series in a different way just to keep the name alive. But that was not the case at all. I was pleasantly surprised. I just really haven't been watching a lot lately. Like I said, I watched The Sect earlier, which we're not going to talk about. <laughs> and, oh, God, I watched this movie brand new on Shutter called Sequence Break, which, once again, I'm, I'm going to go beat the dead horse again. I really, it's the same guy that did Beyond the Gates. And I really like that that kind of retro 80s vibe in movies because I guess it just reminds me of, you know, being that kid going to the video store. Beyond the Gates was so disjointed, though. I, I watched about four. Oh, minutes. it was. I couldn't. The ending bugged I, me. I didn't make it there. <laughs> I got about 40 minutes and I turned it off, you know. Oh, I was riveted the whole way through Beyond the Gates. Uh, the weird disjointed nature of it felt like watching, like, old school 80s Italian horror films that made absolutely no sense to me that I would just rent. You know, yeah. like it made me that wanna, was the it, beauty of it. But the ending, it was just my problem with the ending was how abrupt it was. It was just I sat on the couch for like two minutes after we're going, it's it's over. <laughs> did, I, did I miss something? I was more terrified by the guy on the nightmare VHS game than that fucking movie. It oh made, my god, it, I love that game. And it made me want to go play the Nightmare VHS game, go find a group of friends or something, and you know. And, then, and, not, <laughs> I love, and not watch that movie ever again. I love that and atmosphere. We used to just watch the tape and not play the game. <laughs> <laughs> and just watch it over and over again and rewind it. I think it. there was a Clue one, too, a Clue VHS game as well that I owned. I think I, I owned like six or seven of them. I forget which ones I had, though. I, I never had any of those. Oh, they were great. I missed out. Damn. Well, the guy the guy that played, I, I forget what the fuck the, 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 the host of, of Nightmare was, but... You can play the game a hundred times; it'll startle you every time, and that's that was the joy of it, I think. You know. Well, it's like the one atmosphere where they have the guy tell you that you're the chosen one or whatever, and you got to get closer and closer to the screen, and then he berates you and screams. Doesn't matter how many times we saw that happen; <laughs> it made us jump every fucking time as a kid watching that. Closer, closer. <laughs> you are my chosen one. Get closer, you fool! You shall suffer. It's like God damn it every time. Well, I, I liked Sequence Break. I'm going to have to watch it again because I was kind of in a, I was just in, I I had the attention span of a gnat. But <laughs> it was um, kind of the, this kid and this older guy, he, he was rebuilding arcade machines and he's starting to put his own game together and he gets this literally mysterious board and I guess that just opens up into another dimension. Is this the Bishop of Battle all over again, you know? No. I was thinking Arcade all over again. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but I, it's one of those, I'm going to have to just watch it again because I really want, I really want to like it because I really like the guy, but I just wasn't as into this one as I was Beyond the Gates. Yes. Oh, man. Our, and. Court said Arcade, though. That's like a magic word to me or something. <laughs> oh, that sequence with Charlie Sheen is still nightmare fuel, man. <laughs> Mr. P- Mr. Pugh needs all our love, okay? He's, he's working hard out there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I've got the best arcade in the country um, two miles from my house. Now, do you know what this movie is, Suzanne, Arcade? No. Arcade is basically um, John Delancey builds a home version of this virtual reality game 
that basically sucks you inside the game for real. And of course, if you die inside the game, you die for real. And you know, <laughs> that, that's. It's, Are we advocating for this or? No, yes. this is how the film works. And it had it had AJ Langer in, who's uh, I don't know how she's looking now, but let me tell you, she 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 did it for me way back in those days. You no, know, I just I don't really care for the game inside a game. Well, I loved the Bishop of Battle segment, but I watched one because I was stupid and couldn't find the remote <laughs> called Stay Alive. That was absolutely shit on a stick. The one with Frankie Muniz. I, I yeah yeah yeah. Oh. Briefly, I remember that. Yeah, briefly. That's as long as that that thing should have lasted. It, 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 I think it was released in like that 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 pile of shit I didn't care about, like Cry Wolf and Fear dot com. Oh yeah, it was like it was like the mid two thousands when there was just it was crap. And people tell me like Fear dot com is a good movie. I don't want to believe them. I never seen it before, but uh, it's a- no, it's not a good movie. It's I I found it. <laughs> Boring as hell. Best part about that movie is the website for it was fear.com where you spelled out dot com and then you had to type in period period dot com, period. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, the, the period version of dot com. So it was fear.com dot com. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funky. I, I, like I said, that movie was just boring as hell. And I only watched it because I think Stephen Ray was in it. Yeah. I think it was Ray. And I like him. Are you one of those that like Stephen Ray? No, I really liked him in the the HBO movie about Andre Chikatilo. Oh, that is an amazing film um, where he's a serial killer hunter actually in Russia, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what that's called, but uh, I had to track that down. I wish they'd do a decent release on it because that was fucking good. All, all I want for Christmas is a decent HD transfer of Cast of Deadly Spell and Space Truckers. That's all I really want. You know, just... That's all I really want, you know? It's simple things in life. If this were my show, we would be playing uh, Space Trucking from yes, yes, Deep Purple indeed. right now. <laughs> maybe a little Lightning Jack, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lightning Jack was a good movie. Yeah, That's so underappreciated. It's Western, yes, indeed, with, a, with an Aussie in it. Oh, God, was that one of the Paul Hogan movies? Yeah, it was a Paul Hogan movie. Yeah. It was a good one, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I skipped it. Oh, and it has um, Cuba Gooding Jr. in it in a silent role, so he can't mess up his acting. <laughs> because <he's deaf>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, though. Uh, radio, the movie is in radio. It's a trigger film for me as far as, like, getting the, getting to the feels going on, you know? <laughs> Obviously, the minute I, you watch radio, it's Niagara Falls, Frankie. Niagara, Niagara Falls. Falls. As soon as radio's mother dies, spoilers, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's a good movie, though. I, I dig it. Uh, anything else, Sue? Um, a lot of sports. Uh, forged in Fire. Knife or Death. Um, yeah, that's about it. Go, go, go Golden Knights. Fuck, fuck, uh, you. fuck, fuck you, LeBron, you bastard, you know? <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, fuck me. Golden Knights and fuck LeBron. I hate the Golden Knights. You want because to... I like Winnipeg. Actually, let me, let's me let let's be realistic about this. I like Dustin Bufflin. I know you do. I, I know and you're fan, but... I, I, I wanted to see them move ahead so I could have another seven games, hopefully, of Dustin Bufflin. Well, you know the world. The world hates Winnipeg. Look, look, Chris Jericho just all day long. <laughs> that's the only. That's the only thing I know about Winnipeg for a long time is that Chris Jericho was from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. 
<laughs> That's a wrestling but, thing, and I'm done with but, it. <laughs> but, but, but Dustin has nothing to do with Winnipeg except that he plays for the Jets. So unfair, unfair. Unfair, unfair. I know. Life's not fair. Though. I'm, being, I'm trying not to be whiny. <laughs> no, that's okay though. I, I watched some decent stuff this week. I I was trying to get a uh, in the mood to beat John Leguizamo, but unfortunately he canceled Days of the Dead because uh, for acting reasons or something, and he got replaced with Bill Mosley. And I don't know how I feel about that, but you know whatever. So I watched because I thought it was the 25th anniversary of it. I watched Super Mario Brothers, and I was excited to watch it, and I was excited watching it. It'll be a show one day, not just to annoy Suzanne, but I think it'd be great to watch that. Because <laughs> I, I also watched Masters of the Universe, and I did watch Street Fighter, but those would be the ones I put together, because Dennis Hopper and, and Mario Brothers, and, and Langella and, and Masters, and Raul Julian Street Fighter, or, you know what, the movies are, are, are the, the scripts are crap, but you know what, they, they took the scripts that they had and they fucking owned them. So if you got any hate for these films, I, I appreciate that. But you're at least 75% wrong, in my opinion. You know. Tim Curry used to wear a pin on his clothing when he would go into audition for roles or to kind of speak with directors. And the pin would say, Terrific in Turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's in a few of those. And I think Legend, yeah. I think Legend's one of them. Because until he shows up, I don't, I don't think it's very good. You know. Um, I'm not going to argue that the parts without Tim Curry aren't as good as the parts with Tim Curry, but I've got a, a special soft spot in my heart for the film Legend. It's like you ever tried to watch Lady Hawk recently? It's a real. Oh yeah, it does not hold it's up. It's a real snore. <laughs> it really is, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's one of the once again one of those movies when I first went to the theater with my friends to see it when it came out. I was ex I had high hopes, high hopes, and I think I nodded off in the theater. <laughs> oh yeah i watched that and i watched uh summer of sam because i haven't seen it in forever but it was a film i remember liking very much and i wasn't disappointed because i was you know because watching it in like 2000 and watching it now are two different experiences because <clears throat> i have a more a uh, bigger pre uh, a bigger appreciation for actors now and the stuff they've been in so i spotted mike Starr and ben gazzara and a young um jennifer um esposito in there and Adrian Brody look, had the, the best mohawk I've ever seen in that movie. Is, is Adrian Brody's mohawk in that movie? I uh, love his punker character in that, where he's trying to pretend like he's coming over from Brit Britain, even though everybody in the neighborhood knows who the fuck he is. Exactly. <laughs> he's great. It still holds up real good. I mean, you got you got Michael Badalucci, you know, as the, you know Berkowitz, who just plays that that role insane and. The little cutaway stuff, you know, I really didn't appreciate. You know, it's a Spike Lee movie. You, you can take him or leave him. I, I take about half his catalog and run away with it because I love it so much, you know. Um, I had a conversation with Rosario Dawson about how good 25th Hour was, but it wasn't so preachy. He's like, yeah, because Spike didn't write it. I was like, well, that explains everything, you know. Because <laughs> he gets kind of preachy with those films sometimes at 25th Hour. If you haven't seen it before, it's a film about um, Edward Norton, um, his last night before he goes to prison, so he goes. He wants to go out and have a good time, and Rosario Dawson's in it, and um, of course, all the drama that comes with that. Uh, Anna Paquin is a nice little slutty minx in that movie. <laughs> I forget who else is in that movie though. Is the problem because I haven't watched it in so long, but um, I like it quite a bit. It's it's one of those great you know what, what we're gonna do in one night movies, but it's it's a it's a drama which is rare that that it works so well. And, um, the Spike Lee movie I'm really partial to is still Crooklyn. Crooklyn's, Crooklyn's good. 
Crick was real good. I still That's like. kind of like my go-to, one of my go-to comfort movies. I think of Crickland. I think of two things. I think of that those kids throwing that cat in the double dutch ropes. <laughs> oh, three things. I'm sorry. Uh, Snuffy and Right Hand Man, that, that whole, the whole thing with them. Be, snipping glue and then terrorizing the neighborhood. And, um, uh, <laughs> David Patrick Kelly in the dual role as the, um, like the, the TV evangelist for kids. And of, and of course, the, the smelly neighbor playing the fucking organ, um, playing It's Not Unusual by Tom Jones, really in singing very badly. But it's, it's, it's David, 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 um, David Patrick Kelly, so you don't care, you know? If you find that you've changed at any time, you gotta sound like Bob Dylan sang it. But it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is singing badly, so you nailed it the first time there. <laughs> I feel like most folks who do a bad Bob Dylan impression, much like, you know, a bad Sean Connery impression. It's, uh... <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad your impression of Bob Dylan is, you're gonna sound just like him. <laughs> I'm... He's a great songwriter. He just really needs to leave the microphone alone. Oh yeah, when other people redo his songs, I mean, it it actually like you're like, holy shit, this this is a very beautiful song. But when he yeah. sings it, when he sings it, it sounds like somebody that's creeped out because a bunch of bugs just fell on him in the woods. One of my favorite, <laughs> of my favorite things. I... I forget which oh, one it was, but it was a Dana Carvey stand-up special, one of the early ones, and he's doing his impression of Neil Young, just making up lyrics as he goes along. Something about dead duck lying in a ditch, cigarette smoker has an itch, or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> I tell you, when, when Dana Carvey turned it on, though, it was fucking magical, you know? <laughs> uh, one of my ex-boyfriends used to torment me with this Bob Dylan song. Do you remember, like, maybe grade school and the song Mr. Froggy went a courtin'? Oh, yeah, slightly, yeah. Well, anyway, Bob Dylan did a 25-minute version of Mr. Froggy with a Corkin. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Whenever I would get a little too, um, I guess, uh, pissy, he would just play that really, really loud until I shut the hell up. That's your old menomena there, see, your, your old bang. Oh, there. yeah. Now I have that song stuck in my head. Well, Thanks. Yeah, that happens every show on freaking uh, on NFW almost. You know? Oh, it didn't happen tonight. Yeah. Oh, what else? I, I, I watched some stuff. Did the stuff for tonight naturally? Uh, I rewatched Tropic Thunder. I blame John Cross for that because he brought it up, and I, I I had to go there, and it's still really fucking funny. You know, if you're not a fan of the cruise missile, the Tom Cruise that is, uh, you you don't like him in that movie being that asshole Les Grossman it's, it's... No, he's the best part that's the best thing Tom Cruise has ever been in why are you lying, <laughs> why are you lying to yourself Suzanne stop lying to yourself you know I don't like Tom Cruise <laughs> oh my gosh um besides that nothing new really I've ever checked out nothing really crazy new I watched the season finale of The Flash and that they did this this thing where they did the whole Marty we gotta talk to you about your kids thing at the, at the end of uh yeah where joe west who's who's uh the flash's uh father-in-law their, their daughter from the future shows up to help barry save the day so they had the whole we're gonna fuck with time again shit for next season and i was like again really it's it's kind of like arrow when they're beating the dead horse with all those flashbacks they're, they're just beating the dead horse with like let's 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 floss stuff to change time and 
Yeah, I'm just twiddling my thumbs, waiting for Legends of Tomorrow to come back on again. Like, the Flash is really lacking for that let's do it all over again, and, uh, blah. Whatever. <laughs> I can tell you what I'm not gonna watch, though. We'll get into that in our beef, bitches, and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. Who the barbecue beef? Mine's the Juke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Yes. I, I think we almost all have the same one. Because <laughs> something, something moronic, something magical, something unheard of happened today. And it all happened in a couple hours, really. Uh, your favorite uh, domestic goddess, well, not so much anymore, decided to go on Twitter, I guess, one last time, as if all her tweets weren't stupid enough as it is before, to uh, attack somebody racially. I forget where the exact words are. She called her an ape mixed with something else. Something terribly fucking racist. She was an ape for the Obama Obama administration. And she got her show canceled because of this. And her show is pulled from all major platforms. Networks. Hulu. Every fucking thing. She's like the blacklist of blacklisted that you can be. I have a lot of opinions about her. I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised this happened. I, I just think that you know her 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 co her co-stars, which I don't think they're gonna if if they if they play this right, they could pull a whole Hogan family thing and just literally kill her off, <laughs> and and have Jackie be, be the Roseanne and be done with it, because it, it's a great ensemble without her. So they can yeah. they, they, they can Hogan family that bitch without well she technically she is a cancer but she doesn't have actual cancer okay so. <laughs> Oh God, I forgot about the Hogan oh, God, family. They the totally right did that. Now. Oh, she's gonna be on the news. Wanda Sykes days. tweeted that because Wanda Sykes, I think, was one of the showrunners. There was a lot. She was. There was a lot of comedy in there. She tweeted that she will not be back to Roseanne. Well, neither is Roseanne. So there you go. Yeah. Which which would just tell me that Tim Allen's okay, but Roseanne's a, a fiery pig from the bowels of hell. Which which is which is okay. Okay, yeah. which is which is worse? Well, her obviously. I mean, I, they're they're both equally horrible things. Yeah, but he never came out and said it like she did, though. He never kept like you know, if you ever followed her Twitter feed, if you ever see the pictures of her dress as Hitler baking cookies in the oven, <laughs> yeah, that, that, shaped oh, like wow, people. That is that, just that, that, did, that didn't that didn't do it. This tweet did it, which blows my fucking mind. Court, I'm a kick it to you, man. What do, what do you think about this whole situation? Uh, first of all, I feel really sad and mournful for everyone that was involved in that TV show coming back and having to basically take this one shot, whether it's to revitalize a career or some of the people that may be like on the crew, like the, the you know, the fucking people that are just doing like the craft services, the camera people, Everybody. all of those people that this this may have been like their main shot to kind of go on and do something else. This might have been the show that will get them work later on that they were able to do that. And it's all wiped away 200, because 200 employees. Yeah. All wiped away because fucking Roseanne can't keep her fucking fingers off the Twitter button. Now I'd like to logically extend that too, is this is so surreal and unbelievable because the president has done so much worse yeah, right it's, now it's true. <laughs> with his Twitter and shit. And, and like, 
he's not getting any consequences for it. So like having Roseanne actually get busted, I think are, <laughs> you know, basically thrown off and cast aside is the right move for ABC and everyone else to do. However, there's other people that are suffering because of that. And I like the idea of dumping her from the show because honestly, I don't ever, I mean, when I was a fan of the show, when it originally ran as a kid, I never watched Roseanne for Roseanne. I watched Roseanne for everybody else, you know? So Hogan familying Roseanne and just dropping her all together would be kind of cool, but they're not going to do that because she probably owns that shit, man. I, I, no, I don't know. Sure she does. Because her show kind of got dumped, like, as far as, like, excuse me, like, the ownership of the episodes, like, the whole Carsey Werner archives, you know, I think those went to, like, almost public domain, to where anybody can show them. So, I don't know if she owns the concept of the show, or what's going on, or what, what that entails, but I'm pretty sure ABC and Disney have pretty much control of anything they want to do with the material. They could call it the Connors, and just have Dan trying to deal with what happened in the wake of... Of I don't know Roseanne mouthing off the black people and getting beaten to death or something you know <laughs> they, they live in Illinois throw that bitch in the Thornton Quarry man right now man <laughs> <laughs> no it's entirely fucked up and I mean the reactionary result that we've had here I actually for once agree with the way that it went down I honestly think that ABC should have probably never brought it back in the first place because the show went away originally because of how out there Roseanne has been getting yeah. and it's just I don't know man it's like you guys took a gamble on this and now we got we just have to deal with Tim Allen and his horse shit no, you know? knowing, knowing how she is absolutely knowing how she is and uh they just went for it and say Let, let's let's literally they, they had to throw a bunch of money at it because they had all those comedy people Wanda Sykes Whitney Cummings I don't know where the hell, how much longer that vast that list goes, but pretty prominent comics, and now I don't I don't like Whitney Cummings, but she's funny, you know. But yeah, she, I I actually really despise her. Well, you know what? I I could, I could take rude comedy if the word that the woman is pretty smoking hot. That sounds kind of misogynist, but you know it, it's <laughs> uh, doesn't sound pretty much is, well, but we're go. okay. <laughs> You're like, women can say whatever they want so long as they're hot. That's pretty much the definition there, no, Gary. So not what I'm saying is they can abuse me as long as they're hot. It doesn't matter to me. If they were like... <laughs> If they were oh, like, now you're talking kink. That's not misogynistic. That's your kink. You want to be abused by hot people. If they were like a three, you know, I, I might take offense to that. <laughs> but like a, a, a six to a, a, an eight. Yeah, sure. You know. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I'm a realist. I ain't getting no 10. And I don't want no 10. Those are those are some conceited bitches. Probably. I can't deal with that, man. It's like the song goes. It's a golden oldie. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife, you know? You know? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to be ultra PC here and say every woman is a 10 in her own special way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Just to get on your nerves. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> now, I love all I respect all women. It's just one of those things where, well, I respect all women to an to in, 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 uh, you know, extent. Yeah, you know, the ones it's gonna sound, they deserve. Now, the ones that that, that, that you know can, can act right in certain situations, like not be an asshole all the time. Yeah, I'll respect you. You know, all the time. Well, that goes with all people, man. Just that's my golden rule with life. Just don't be a fucking asshole. You know, that's that's all it takes. Just treat each other people, with respect. I wish more people did that. <laughs> so, 
Sixty percent of your population, ladies, are awesome. It's that <laughs> it's that forty percent that you know go piss up a rope. Wow, I just pictured that, and now I got to go take a break here, guys. Oh, Pants are coming off. Pants are coming off. <laughs> Good thing the camera's not on; otherwise, this show would get real hot real fast. <laughs> Suzanne, what do you think of that situation? I'm sure you have an opinion. Oh yeah, um, and I'm basically it's going to start with how I how I pretty much handle everything there in I don't care who the hell you are there's nothing that's going to piss off anybody faster than religion and politics so I keep religion and politics as far away from any of my social media accounts the second anyone starts posting religious or political shit on my wall they are immediately banned and blocked it was incredibly stupid I can't believe that that some I may not like these people. I may not have a, an opinion about them, but that was some hate. That was just venom and vitriol. Yeah. And she should have known better. She she don't though. She does. Yeah. I mean, I grew up. I grew up watching Roseanne. Believe me, it was a hell of a lot closer to my family life than fucking the Cosby Show was. What are you talking about honorary doctor William Cosby here? We talk about him, you know? Oh yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> um living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, that was my childhood. Not having, you know, designer clothes all the time. My childhood. Um I I hated seeing it go down the way it did. And I have no respect for Roseanne for what she said. You can have those opinions, but just keep them to your own damn self. People forget that. They have to keep themselves, you know. But now, with social media as prominent as it is, everybody has their own little soapbox to stand on. It's like, I hate courts so much, but here we are. We're recording right now? (laughs) Oh, whatever, Gary. You love me. I'm the yin to your yang, baby. Sometimes, (laughs) yes, indeed, you are, you know. (laughs) But now, since everybody has their own private soapbox to stand up on and spew whatever bullshit they want to now we have a nation of people who oh my god i don't like that they should be banned (laughs) instead of you know once again the way i grew up if you don't like something don't read it don't watch it have nothing to do with it okay it's like that but that's not the case anymore it's like that video i shared about with the little boy Shaking hands and, 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 you know, greeting his classmates. Like, eye contact, you know, a possible hug in there. And I said, millennials would have a real problem with this boy touching these girls inappropriately. And somebody had a shitty-ass comment about that. I was like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with basic human interaction again, you know? Maybe they need more of that, you know. They don't grow to be fucking giant assholes like some of the kids I see now. Oh, oh. most of the kids I see now, I, I, I would have no problem picking them up by their ponytails and drop kicking them as far as I could. <laughs> Are you guys about ready to start screaming about how they need to get off your lawn and like shake your fists at them? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, the, the, the <laughs> no, actually, there's this old dude that walks his dog and I literally about every other day have to go run out with a bag and let you pick up after your fucking dog. <laughs> so that's the closest I get to yelling at people on my, about my lawn. Human beings are just shitty regardless of what generation they were born in, man. We can nitpick something that people do regardless. 
Oh, yeah. When we talk about fertilizer, we can go back to Roseanne again. See what we did there? The Nazi thing? <laughs> yeah. Nazis. Court, do you have another beef you like to talk about besides Roseanne? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much got me covered. I mean, I've actually had a pretty relaxing couple of weeks here for the most part, so I have not really had too much that I've had to air grievance-wise. So, I mean, other than, you know, all the shit that's currently going on in our nation that we've already kind of just belly ached and shaked our fist at and told it to get off our lawn. Rebel, rebel, yes. rebel, rebel, rebel. rebel, rebel, rebel. <laughs> How about you, Sue? Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. My lovely neighborhood hangout, which I probably will never step foot into again, um, pretty much had a brand new bartender. She only worked a few nights, but Friday night, she decided to be a bitch. Eh. What uh, happened, Sue? Oh, um, we ended up meeting a couple of our friends there. Um, she was outside smoking and not doing her job pretty much per norm. So Chris grabs us all our beers and my friends, Pete and Jenny finished theirs, asked for another one. And she looked at them and was like, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, whoa. And she just started going off because she was drunk. She could barely speak. I don't know how she stood up. Mm. So that kind of, they went outside, they were going to leave, and I grabbed my stuff, told Pat we were leaving, and she is just still, once again, just saying horrible, mean shit to about complete strangers that she's never seen before. Mm. And then I just told her, it's like, hey, you know what, no one has been nothing but nice to you. And then she decided to turn on me. Dumb fucking Move. Big mistake. Ugh. Oh my god, she <laughs> called me everything from a whore to a thief. Oh man, this girl was drunk. This bartender. Yeah. Oh, she could. She, I could. I could barely understand her. I did catch whore. I steal. I've never paid a bar tab. You see, um, she's skimming off the till. Is the Dalton to kick her out for that? The double deuce is all I'm saying. She'd be gone. And uh, only to the, John Doe there. Yes. <laughs> the sad thing is, the owner of the bar is outside with his head in the sand ignoring the whole situation. A lot of me from high school, Suzanne, uh, I don't get in the middle of a girl fight and uh, until it's over. And like, oh, calm down, calm down, because I've seen some uh, some horse. Oh, oh, I was waiting for her to take a swing at me. I would have I let her take the swing. Those kittens have claws, man. They, they'll claw your face, you know, if you get in the middle of that. I'm like a foot taller than her. It would not have even been fair. But I mean, I, <laughs> my beef is, you know, this is your business. And yet you you've heard her and you saw her and you turned around and walked out the door instead of escorting her out the door. Yeah, I have no respect for that. And like I said, this is my my local place. It's like literally a minute from my house. It's 15 if I walk. And I really don't ever want to step foot through those doors again, just because of this. Yeah. So I think this is one of the reasons I'm as aggravated as I am. Well, it's literally across, it's like across the alley from you guys, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. A, water, a local watering hole like that. Don't feel welcome like, there. It'd be like Norm uh, walking in and getting berated instead of treated like royalty. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Not asking to be treated like royalty, but... Uh, when my beer is empty, do your fucking job. That's a bit ridiculous. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really angry. 
that this fucking stranger whom I've seen three times just decided, fuck everybody, I'm drunk, I don't care. And, yeah, I just, I, I have no respect left for that place. I have no respect for the owner. And I'm just not, it's going to be a real long time before I step foot See, back through those doors. In, in situations like that, I, I, I turn into my, my old man, G- Gary Hill Sr., and we're, uh, or if you would go sit down at a restaurant, like, like say, like, you're, you know, like a greasy spoon or, like, anything like that, you know, a little sit-down restaurant. If they didn't have water on the table within, like, the first minute, he would get upset. And I'll only do this when I'm especially hangry, but I start turning into my father that way. You know, it's like, you know what, dudes? You know? If I'm not, if somebody has doesn't even say anything to me at that point, I start counting the, watching the time. If they eventually get to me... You know, it's I just start taking money off the tip, or after about ten minutes and pull, I'm completely ignored, thir- I walk out the door. Do you pull? A th- remember, you ever seen Third Rock from the Sun? Right, that episode where he, Dick learns how to tip, so he has like a pile of ones on the table, and, and, <laughs> and he starts picking yes. them. Off. <laughs> yes. Where do you think I got this idea from? It's like one of the best things ever. That that thing right there. <laughs> no, I, I love the service industry. I, I was taught, I was brought up to to respect them and. To tip well because I've had like four or five major family members that have been on wait staffs and managers of restaurants and I know they work for their tips. We we got a person on the show, uh, Jamie, who who works for her tips and you're in, I've you're worked in, as a waitress. You're in Michigan, a bartender. You're in Michigan at the steakhouse, man. Better tip that girl, man. She'll she'll spit in your food. I swear she will. You know. <laughs> Like I said, it's just, it, there's there's no reason for people to behave like that. These girls are spiteful on the Sin Beef podcast, goddammit, you know? <laughs> and I'm just, I, I just, I guess it's everything after that, it's just so glaring now. And it's all I seem to see in anything right now is just, you know, just mean. I just see meanness in damn near everything anybody says lately. Oh, I, I apologize if I said something to, to, to anger Oh, no, no, I'm just... <sighs> Just in, in, in generalization. Oh, I know. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I know how to do anything to do, especially. So I'm know. really glad I'm going on vacation tomorrow because I just need to shut down and get the fuck out of here for a few days. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're, you're I'm glad you're going to go have a good time. You know, Vic- oh, you'll absolutely. come back and be so mellow. None of us will recognize you. That's probably going to happen. Vic- Vic- <laughs> See, vacation for me is everybody else getting the fuck out of the house and me leaving my, 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 my own volition. Yeah, that's, vacation. that's a vacation <laughs> for the mind. And that's one of the most valuable vacations sometimes. See? Oh, yes, the mental health vacation. <laughs> yes. Oh, but uh, tonight, this is uh, one of those great ideas for a makeup show where every time we need a makeup show, this should be, should be pretty great. We're going to do two canon films that I have never seen before. And um, probably aren't talked about so much. We chose two of those tonight. And a series called Straight Out of the Canon. You know, where can... Oh, Beef Out of the Canon. I messed up my own shit. Called Beef Out of the Canon. I messed that up all right already. Uh, with the, uh, the last N-O-N in parentheses. Clever. Whatever. I'm here. <laughs> but we're going to do... Be two. here all night, ladies and gentlemen. Here all night. Yeah, fucking up my own shit. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Tonight uh, we're gonna do two two films in the in the in the canon uh, films echelon. Some we may like, some maybe may not like so much. Uh, first one being Young Warriors from 1983, uh, starring some great genre actors. But is the film great? We'll talk about that later. But uh, 
And, uh, of, oh man, Hero and the Terror from 1988, which is, uh, of course, the first time we ever do this, we, it has to be a Chuck Norris film in there. And, uh, that stars the great Chuck Norris, as many canon films did. Uh, we're gonna get into, uh, the elf in the room, Young Warriors, right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. They're just unloving American kids, but they're willing to take a stand. Are you implying that things like rape and murder are no longer immoral? <laughs> The gangs have taken over. Violence rules the streets. The police are powerless. My hands are tied. You're not detectives. Their parents are helpless. Now they are ready to fight back. Students by day, vigilantes by night. Who the hell you guys think you are? That's our job. They're out to stop injustice. The young warriors, the ultimate weapon in the fight against crime. What you're doing is illegal. Please! The young warriors, they're ready for action. The young warriors, they're the new law. The young warriors from the Cannon Group. Young warriors. Oh, there's a long plot synopsis here that I'm not even going to get into. Basically, a bunch of frat boys get together after one of the frat boys' sisters was raped and killed. Very brutally, I might add. Uh, And, like, they get a bunch of guns and they go after the guys that that did this very badly. And we'll get into that more and more and more. But, uh, yeah, this film has a great cast of of genre actors in it. Ernest Borgnine, uh, Richard Roundtree, Linda Day George... Uh, and Lockhart, who, who's June Lockhart's daughter. I only know one for one thing. She played the young, uh, the, the young witch when when um in Troll when she she turned into a young person. Yeah, her mom was <laughs> the old witch, and she turned into the younger version of her mother. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, me, me and Cortez, Mike Norris, who is Chuck Norris's son, is in this movie as well. Dick Shaw yeah, and, I, and uh, I didn't see Linnea. We watched. We did, uh, unfortunately, we were. Oh no, she was the one in blue. Yeah. yeah, she was ginger. Yeah, this was a very young Linnea pre-breast enhancement surgery. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this is written and directed by Lawrence David Folds, who has done other fare, which I'm going to get into right now, which is another canon film as well, <laughs> called. The Great Skycopter Rescue, which looks terrible, and we probably never do that, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it to uh, Suzanne. I'm sure she has lots to say about Young Warriors. Tell us all about it, Sue. Okay, I have to admit, I like this movie just a little bit more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I'm just gonna start with a few things that were just a little bit off to me. A, how did Ernest Borgnine land Linda Day George as his wife? Oh, that's mine. That was, that was my note. (laughs) (laughs) Every time they interacted, it was just, it was weird. Well, that's the Poseidon adventure effect right there. He just landed good trim all over the place, you know? 
<laughs> he trapped her. He got her pregnant with their first kid, and she was stuck with him. Um, I pretty- like I said, I do like this more, and that was supposed to be a helicopter rescue. I literally went out to the kitchen to get a bag of chips and back out, which is what maybe five and a half feet. And all of a sudden, there's a helicopter crash. I'm like, oh, wow. Um, what? Must be Italian, you know. <laughs> I have no idea. I just saw the helicopter crashing. But anyway, these stupid frat boys, and they truly live up to the stupid frat boy thing, decide that since Dad, the cop, and his partner aren't doing shit, they're going to go after this group of people that raped and killed his sister. And, okay, if you're going to do this, if you're going to go the vigilante route, you should at least know how to fight. Because <laughs> oh, the first... <laughs> they are awful. They are. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm watching it. It's like this one guy is being, one of the guys in their group is being held. There's two guys that are, I guess, trying to rip tires off a truck. And there's five of them. And one of their friends is being held by one and getting the shit kicked out of him by the other. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Some fucking Three Stooges shits? Your friend's getting his ass kicked. Go do something. (laughs) And they're just like, wander. I mean, just, were they not paying attention? I mean, what the hell else are they supposed to be there for? I was was laughing. Maybe they're distracted by the amount of Ernest Borgnine's dad sweaters in this movie, like I was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and another one of my favorite things about this movie, and we talked about this a little bit when we did Rolling Vengeance, was the girl. The girls are going and crying to this dude's dad, especially you know the one who found the stash of guns. And then she's like, "I saw him kill somebody." Like, wow. Well, I mean, I, I kind of get it. Maybe if you saw somebody, if you saw your boyfriend kill somebody, or if you really wanted to keep the relationship together. Maybe you just keep that to yourself. I don't know. Just just a thought. But then again, I, I think evil thoughts all the time. Well, she was unsure <laughs> until then. And she saw the blood. Yeah. You know. yeah and, and the person who found the guns was Ginger, not uh, his prospective girlfriend, Lucy. Yeah. Okay. Not that but, that matters or there's any continuity otherwise in the film. No. <laughs> no, there really isn't. One of them found the guns and one of them saw him kill somebody. And like I said, if you're going to be vigilantes, like I said, first things first. Um, Yeah, you may be like frat boy tough, but you're not real life tough. (laughs) Frat boy tough is basically (laughs) not tough at all. Exactly. I I, I have the movie running right now. and There's a scene where these toughs are attacking this old man like in a parking booth. And the old man has a baseball bat. and He has more fighting skills than all these guys put together. Yeah. Man, oh, man. I... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, another thing I liked, at least about the copy that we watched, I don't ever want to see this movie get a, get cleaned up or get a Blu-ray release. No, I'm sorry. The grittiness, the nastiness, it needs to stay as is, you know, a little bit blurry. There's one spot where you needed to, they needed to adjust the tracking a little bit. Yeah. But, <laughs> It, it has to stay like this. And I mean, I just, I don't want to dive right into the end, but I'm going to dive right into the end right now because, wow, what an ending. Let's just lay on a box of fucking grenades. Well, you told me you didn't lay on them. You just dropped it in with the other grenades and kaboom, you know. Yeah, it was, like I said, it 
it it was definitely I, I, I appreciated the fact that they were really bad vigilantes. <laughs> and it was really, I, you, you know, you kind of get that their heart is in the wrong place or the heart, the heart's in the right place, but they just don't have the uh, skills or brain power to pull it off. Or the necessary, the necessary <laughs> balls. Yeah. And, oh, I can't believe I glossed over Dick Sean as the sociology professor. And what was up with that weird artwork? That that weird <laughs> They played this. Because I'm watching it. I thought it was it was a video game he was I playing. Don't know. They kept playing the same bit, like the same video altered like four times during this movie, and you were hoping they were going somewhere with that, but it really didn't go anywhere. I, I'd imagine that this is like like subliminal video to make these kids want to kill each other. I'd imagine that's what it is. I don't know. There's this part of, there's one with a snake in there. I don't know. It's really strange. Yeah, the snake, the angel, the crocodile. Um, yeah, it was, you, you could tell it was just a bunch of just, I, I picture a couple of guys in a room just getting stoned and going, oh my God, but what if we do this? But no, we got to do this. Oh wait, but we have to have a helicopter crash. But no, they've got to go out in a big ball of fire, that kind of thing. I mean, it was it, it was for what it is. It's a lot of fun. I I like I said, I really enjoyed this way more than I should have, and I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> okay, Court. Uh, I think this movie could be summed up very easily by calling it "I want to rape my sister, but somebody beat me to it." The way that Mike bit too fresh with her when she got she she got out of the shower, and his demand for access to the bathroom, regardless of the fact that she was naked in there, and then the way he tries to look down her towel, fucking gross. All right, and it's obvious Mike Norris is Chuck Norris's son because spoiler alert, he he inherited all of Dad's acting ability, which is zero, (laughs) (laughs) pure and simple. Okay, this film stressed me out and pissed me off right from the get-go where we spend all this time with these guys in the frat and we're supposed to be on their side. We're supposed to like them. One of the guys has a girl in his bed and she's nude, so the rest of them, like, pounce on her and basically sexually assault her by ripping the sheets off to look at her and then pulling them off so she has to get up and run away, scared and screaming. I mean, sure, that might have been funny to somebody in 1983 who was a sociopath, but that was never funny, man. What the fuck? I hated all of these guys right off the bat, and they never won me back over. And Mike Norris's character, Fred, when he starts getting rapey over his own poor sister, I was done with him. The rest of the movie, I'm just, like, enjoying watching these guys fail at every turn and get their asses beat. I was like, wait, am I supposed to root for all the criminals or, or the vigilantes or or... Oh, there's Linnea Quigley. I'll root for her. That, that was my brain process. And then the next thought was, Ernest Borgnine, how the fuck did you score Linda Day George? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and by the time the movie is over, I just kind of felt like cheated and pissed off and hollow inside. And then I'm like, that's Canon Films. This was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just took the stereotypical frat boy thing to like the... In ninth level. But not even like stereotypical, like the nightmare scenarios that they talk about frat boys and like the scene where they make that guy fucking put an olive into a martini using his ass off of an ice block and then force him to drink them like the fucking martini. 
Uh, and they make him take down his pants, and they make no, jokes no, no. about how they're going to cornhole him and shit. Fast forward. I mean, rewind a little bit to what happened before that, to where they cut his, uh, literally cut his underwear off right in the ass, and then literally put shaving cream on his ass, and then shaved his ass with a straight razor. Yeah. But before, I mean, before, come before the on. thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I was, I, I was blocking that part out. Thanks for bringing that up. I'm going to need some therapy there, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like, so grossed out by the martini thing. This, yeah. this is stuff the bros do, though, right? I, I wasn't sure if this stuff the bros do. Yeah, this is this is stuff that sexual predators do, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that's that fits for fraternities, pretty much. Oh, oh man, everything in this film outraged me to the point where I'm like, if this is supposed to be normal life, I am so glad that this never actually existed. And I mean, they don't actually get restitution. It's like somebody wanted to do a mashup of like a frat party movie, like animal house and death wish and failed miserably at every turn when they tried to do it. It's just so bad and so ineptly done. It comes back around to being entertaining and fun to watch, but you don't want to root for the guys that are supposed to be the quote unquote good guys. All you do the entire film is just wait for them to get beat up or shot at or killed in some way, shape or form. I think like one of them survives and that's maybe no, like two of them survives. I thought they all died, man. Because yeah, they no... all died back yeah. at the room. Because um, two of them died at the bar, and the other three were back yeah, in the frat house. And one of them got his throat slit before anything else because the gangs of toughs that were the rapists and all the bad yeah, guys in the band showed up and... when they were in the yeah. bar because keep an eye out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the lookout that you want, you know. And then the best part of the movie is when Ernest Borgnine and Richard Roundtree are berating the guys where they're like you let them know that we're looking for them you let them on they're gonna hang low now and you're gonna make it even harder for us to do our job and it's like yeah these guys have no tact their idea is we'll give you money if you drat your friends out mm -hmm. that doesn't really happen very often you know <laughs> oh man and every time they show up they try to be all tough and everything and they get ran out of the bar like two or three different times they're the worst well, you got shaft and you got quentin McHale. you know you give you the business and <laughs> one, of them, one of them seems serious, the other one not so much, you know. Yeah, it was hard to tell if Richard Roundtree was phoning it in, but Ernest Borgnine, you could totally tell, where he's like, I don't want to be in this piece of shit. <laughs> Where's my children? Come on, we gotta go save the children. <laughs> oh. Can't I just drive a taxi in a John Carpenter film instead of this shit? <laughs> Wait till I tell Eddie, you know. <laughs> Fast Eddie, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Anything else court right now? No, if I keep going, I'm just going to fucking go off on this. <laughs> My beef of the week is actually Young Warriors. I've been saving it till now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Me and Young Warriors, Young Warriors and me, uh... It's like Cord says, and I mentioned this before we started recording, this, this is a film that doesn't really know what it wants to be. Because, you know, you, you, if you watch the first half an hour of this movie, it's just you hating every character that, that's involved in the, this vigilante squad, I guess known as the Young Warriors, they never really say they are, but they have a theme song at the beginning of the movie, so that's that's something, you know. <laughs> well, it was the 80s, they had to have a theme song, even oh, if they yeah. didn't earn it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But they had a cool dog. Yeah, I could give them that. The dog wore sunglasses and a bandana and a hat. But the, something that happens in this film that not everybody hates. Uh, the, the humans could die all over the place. But don't don't shoot the dog in the alley. 
This dog. And who, yeah, that was wrong. Who brings a poodle to a vigilante fight? Honestly. You were getting... Well, Jesus, the poodle had more fighting skills than they did. And it got Fair shot. enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. R.I.P. White Dog. That, that dog was amazing. Um, but the frat boy stuff... The, the 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 shaving of the ass and the the the, the martini thing the butt martini the butt martini that was fucking nasty and uh, the thing with the pigs was really stupid you know you think that and that's like a prank that's really stupid you think that you know they're having their own party but the regular people are having their own their own thing you think the prank would be them releasing the pigs inside the actual dance you know not. You know, amongst their pledges or whatever. That was really dumb. But, um... Again, assume the position. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes. <laughs> but, um... These guys are assholes. And, unfortunately, you know, the the one sister, she, she, she gets brutally raped and killed. I mean, it's pretty, it's a very brutal scene. You're gonna capture rape on a film without showing the penetration. Her, her getting her face smashed into the dirt is pretty... It, it tells you a lot in that scene, and it, it was enough. They didn't go set. Oh, when she kept screaming, Mommy, that was just heart-wrenching. This, I don't think this is quite as brutal as Savage Streets was, as far as that rape scene, which is actually, this also stars Lena Quigley, which, which is another scene that I forgot all about, but then I remembered right away when you guys mentioned who she was in the film, where she goes into the, their, 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 their danger room, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. And she finds the bullets, the, the the casings in the bed, and the guy shakes her like she burnt the roast or something and starts screaming in her face, you know, and uh-uh, it's just, it's just wrong. It just could play that a lot more cool, you know, and not did that. If you want to be a, um, an inexperienced vigilante, uh, um, vigilante squad with uh, guns we don't know how to shoot because... Let's face it. Everybody, the the, the toughs and them, the, the, their raping skills are good, and their their masculine, their uh, massaging their skills are very good. But they can't shoot for dick. They're, they're <laughs> lucky. They're, they're they're lucky. They killed these teens, these bad guys, and they were really lousy shots too. And uh, but you know, for a film like this, you know, once he got down to you know them going to to hunt down the the baddies or any baddie really, it was really mediocre. And I think that. At an hour and 43 minutes long, it was about 20 minutes too long. They could have cut <laughs> they, they could have cut out some of that stuff that made you hate these supposed heroes, and it would have been a much better movie. Because you really don't like these. You're not rooting for these guys to win. You feel sorry for not the, one bit. You, you feel sorry for the sister that got raped and killed, and the parents, but not for the brother because he's a pig. They're all fucking. And he's an he's an asshole. He goes off on everybody constantly. Like he's just a fucking decorator where he throws his shit on everybody all the time like in every class he blows up on people he blows up on his art teacher and who the fuck says and who the, who the fuck teaches art and says art has boundaries i have literally never heard anyone who is into art try and say that there are boundaries for art uh, ever yeah. it's just an excuse to have the guy go off again and be like no one understands me it's just me and my gun and my vengeance and that's all i have left I mean, the one impression I have to admit I was left with is I think at some point this was a completely different movie because I think they were setting up the college kids, the frat boys, to be the bad guys. And then three quarters of the way through shooting, they decided to change it up. 
Yeah, these guys, these are the guys that, that, that have sex with each other and say they're not gay, you know? <laughs> Dude, we're just bros. We're just bros, man, you know? We're just touching, we're just touching tips. <laughs> this, this, okay, when you, when you start shaving another man's ass forcibly with a straight razor and then make him fucking drink a martini with his own ass olive, you've, you've crossed the line. <laughs> you've crossed the line between good taste and, and all things that are good and gone beyond even, like, straight, gay, or anything like that. You're just a sexual predator, and that's all they are. These are the guys that wear the lace for operas, people. Steer, steer clear of these guys, okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> these are the guys that start running Fortune 500 companies and become CEOs in the future. That's why our country's fucked up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, young warriors, I'm, I'm going to kick it to, to Suzanne and ask her anything else she'd like to say about this lovely misogynistic misguided film hit me it's it is quintessential it's it's very 80s it just it it's just got that whole 80s thing like i said i do i love the movie no do i like it a little bit more than i should yeah but (laughs) for me like i said it's just it's fun i'll i don't know if i'll put it on again but you know, I'm still I'm still gonna stick with about a five on it. Of course. <laughs> uh, I got to give this like a two and a half. I mean, it's barely a movie. Uh, it's not really entertaining. I was checking my watch the entire time that I was recording it, and I don't even fucking own a watch. I went looking for a watch just for an excuse <laughs> to get away from this fucking movie. I can honestly say I will never watch this again, and I. I've apologized profusely to my Plex server for having it on there. I'm going to remove it immediately once we're done recording. It's, I'm only giving it two and a half because it at least had a few moments where I legit laughed out and out loud. And we had Ernest Borgnine, Richard Roundtree, and Linda Day George. All Actually, let's give it three. It's straight three. One point for each of those actors. <laughs> oh, me. It's a four. It's not good. It, it, you know what? It's, it's it's watchable as a film, although it's again, it's a film, a very misguided film that doesn't really know what it wants to be. Because these are people that you should be rooting for to complete their task, but they set them up to be complete assholes right from the jump. And for for that reason, you, you, in, in this film, you you either in in, in any rape revenge film, you know you, you you're either the rapey who gets revenge. Or the the the, the raped that that's either out of commission or dead, where somebody else gets the revenge for you, but you've got to be able to root f- for the hero nonetheless. But you're not rooting for any of these guys. You feel slightly bad for the guy whose sister died, but like like Court said, there's 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 actions he has in this film that makes you not feel bad for him at all. So as a raper in the, as as a film in the rape revenge genre, it just doesn't work. So. I'm gonna set this one on the shelf because this this never had a DVD release. This is a VHS only. I, I found a copy of it on the dark web because it's not on YouTube. <laughs> I I don't regret it because I, I love watching like lost movies that aren't really around anymore. You know, it's, it's it's good to find them and say, hey, I saw that, but I never need to watch it ever again because there's there's fil- other films that have done this better, like Vigilante with Robert Forster. It's done it better, you know. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Why didn't we do that one? Oh, it's not canon. Not Never canon, mind. Yeah, it's not canon. <laughs> or, hell, I'll take Vice Squad. 
<laughs> I actually like Vice Squad. <laughs> I know, I do too. But um, R.I.P. to the dog. Yeah, he was <laughs> awesome. Bandanas are awesome. They're very masculine, apparently. But uh, speaking of masculinity, we're going to go and do a film next that I've only chose because Chuck Norris was in it and the dumb guy from Superman 2 was in it. <laughs> and then I went down a rabbit hole of great actors that are showing up in this next film. Notice Hero and the Terror from 1988, and we'll get into that right after this. Dan O'Brien met a cop's worst enemy. Fear. She's beautiful. He thought the past was behind him. He thought he could still be a good cop. He thought the terror was dead. Something's wrong, what is it? The nightmare's back. There's nothing wrong with being afraid, O'Brien. You came up against a monster. Three years ago, Simon Moon slaughtered 22 women, but 12 more were killed by copycats. 
Them all and this girl's exactly the same as Simon Moon's. Simon Moon is supposed to be dead, Sal. Nothing so evil could die so easily. Danny, is Simon Moon alive? Hero, is it terror back? I wish they'd stop that hero crap. Why are you letting it bother you so much? Because it's making me out to be something I'm not. You said he was dead. I said supposed to be dead. There's no doubt in my mind. It has to be Simon Moon. He's there. Chuck Norris. The hero is human. The terror is real. Hero and the Terror. Hero and the Terror from 1988. Uh, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. Danny O'Brien is back in action. Didn't know he was out of action. Find notorious Simon Moon, also known as the Terror. Three years earlier, O'Brien had single-handedly captured the Terror. <laughs> we'll talk about that. It was called a hero <laughs> by the people of L.A. Now Simon has escaped and has started killing women again, and O'Brien is the only man who can stop him. Really now? I think a Mossberg shotgun to the head could stop this fucking guy myself, you know? Like, or just get or just get uh, Street Back and Joe Friday with the door, the drawer that <laughs> crushes balls. Yes. <laughs> but this, of course, That's... stars uh, canon staple Chuck Norris as the D- Daniel O'Brien, the titular hero. Uh, Bryn Thayer, which I don't know what she's been in. She looks very familiar, though, as his Lady K. Uh, Steve James, who we all should know for, from American um, American Ninja and uh, t- tons, tons of great action films. It was taken to it from us too early. At 46, he died. He was a canon staple as well. They put him in just about everything. He was incredible. Everything. The black dude? No, no, yeah, the black yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah. Partner. his partner. Yeah, his partner. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jack O'Halloran, uh, played Nan in Superman 2, which I mentioned, plays your killer, Simon Moon, who looks very zombie-esque in this film. And we go, we go deeper into this cast. Uh, Billy Drago plays his doctor in this film, uh, the, the, the killer's doctor. Of course, you got to have the titular psychiatrist in this film. And uh, I had to look at him twice. Is that Billy fucking Drago? And it was. <laughs> he, I've never seen him look so unwrinkled and clean and like straight laced, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's like Billy Drago before the heroin almost. I'm not saying that he's on that. It's just like it's what he looks like he's on now. <laughs> oh, man. Ron O'Neill, if you don't know the name, you know you know the film. He was the lead in Superfly, people. He's in this film as the mayor. He's, just the, he's playing the opposite part of the law of this, I guess, you know? Superfly as the fucking mayor is the best, man. I would totally vote for Superfly for mayor. Yes. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, you know, after his tour of uh, the subcontinent or whatnot, we have Murphy Dunn as the, the as the theater manager, who, if you don't know the name, you know who he is, because he is the leader of Murph and the Magic Tones and the guy in the Ivories in the Blues Brothers Band. Yes. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. I, I see that. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good movie. But I'm going to ask Court first what he thought of Hero of the Terror. This is actually a childhood favorite of mine. I remember watching this as a young kid and seeing it on either late night cable, like on a TBS or a TNT or something along those lines, or one of those daytime cable shows or something like that. And it's kind of one of those movies where I have warm and fuzzy memories of it being so much more than it actually is. Uh this time around, it felt like we spent a lot of time running around the theater more than what I remember it as a kid, but it still holds a very special place in my heart, and it feels like this weird mashup of like a slasher movie with a hero cop drama, and it's another one of those like 
disjointed type of just out there weird movies that canon would do where they just threw all these disparaging parts together and hope that it would blend up together. And for some reason, this one works for me you know, once it, so much better than the last once one. Once he escapes and he makes it to the theater and kind of makes it his home, did you get like a whole Phantom of the Opera vibe to it in a way? Well, here, here's the weird thing about it. Him being in the theater, it feels like Phantom of the Opera, but at the same time, you have Chuck Norris being like a Dr. Sam Loomis where he's like, I told them he would get out. I shot him six times in the heart. Like, constantly telling everybody, like, he's going to kill. He's in the theater. And no one will believe him, but, you know, it's Chuck Norris, so he's more like, he's coming for us again because he's all flat and monotone. <laughs> Can't deliver dialogue for shit. But, don't forget, he's, I mean, don't like, forget he's clairvoyant, though, because he has dreams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things that I found more endearing this time around than I'd ever noticed before when I watched this in the past. He is suffering from PTSD when this man nearly killed him. He almost dismantled him with his bare hands. I mean, how do you deal with non slash Amal Muzz choking you to death in the ocean after beating your face in? Man, <laughs> if, you, if you read the plot synopsis, you watch the scene of the film. It's basically him being pummeled by this mountain of a man. I mean, he's not a very efficient killer, you know, but he's superimposed and he can snap your neck with one with one turn of his, his massive hands. But he's basically tr- got Chuck's neck down in the fucking water, drowning him. I, I forget even how he got out of it. it was uh, Chuck, Chuck threw a couple of punches that were timed just perfectly, got him in the nose a few times got him disoriented because the guy's crazy and he's not fully mentally developed. I think he has like the brain of a child or something like that. And I don't think he's used to someone fighting back. And because he did that, Chuck got loose and then started doing some more of the kicks and stuff like that and delayed him enough for the other cops to get there. Yeah. And didn't he like smack him in the head with the rock too? Yeah. I think that's what he did. He grabbed a rock and hit him. I thought it was punches, but I think you're right. I think he did grab a rock. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the, the front kicks he pulls off this film should give your average man a heart attack, okay? It's, 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 it's... <laughs> One of the things that I think is really funny is, like, he just goes barreling into that guy's place. They don't make any mention of having a warrant or anything like that. So anything that they find in his house, null and void for evidence, but yet they somehow get him convicted in an insane asylum. We don't really know how. There's a whole bunch of, like, little tiny plot holes that popped up on me that kind of bugged me, where I'm like, wait, there's no warrant so he's gonna get away with all of this great fucking police work there (laughs) (laughs) o'brien you know and then like they they do a few other things like that too but (laughs) i mean steve james in this where he takes off the gun belt and he or the the holster and he puts his walkie-talkie down and he starts doing laps around the theater it's like come on dude (laughs) no cop is gonna do that especially if they think there is a possibility that a killer could be in that building as well he was like, uh, they talk about how women get put into the fridge where, where they get killed or whatever to further the plot along for our hero. Well, Steve James's Robinson character is the woman getting put in the fridge. And yep. it drives Chuck Norris even further to go after this guy one more time and, and to do the Sam Loomis. And so we have like a little bit of Halloween. We have a little bit of Phantom of the Opera going on where the guy's haunting the theater. But then it's sort of like a Jack the Ripper kind of thing where he's killing women, and but he's doing it with his bare hands. And he's not into, like, you know, molesting the corpses sexually. He just keeps them to play with them like dolls. I, and... I love that's their excuse. He didn't molest them sexually. It has to be the guy. It has to be the guy, you know. <laughs> because no other serial killer in history would snap a woman's neck and then just keep the body. That, that 
That, that couldn't happen, especially in L.A. Never. You would never have two in a row. Never, never. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> I mean, it's silly. It's stupid. If you think too hard about it, the whole film falls apart plot-wise. But, you know, Chuck Norris and, and uh, Brent Thayer, you know, their relationship is really cool. I like how she's 36 and, like, feeling like she's well past her prime. That really hurt me at 38. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, do something to make her feel better. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, take the cake away, man. Just... Put out the candles, like do do something else for this poor woman. She's clearly hormonal as hell because she's pregnant, you know. But still, I felt so horrible for her, and I think the reason that I I, I feel that way about her because she was on Matlock, which I used to watch a lot as a kid. She was one of the people that worked with him for a while, one of the lawyers or whatever. And I've seen her in other things, and that's I was kind of familiar with her. So in my brain as a kid, this is the lady from Matlock and she just ended up with this police officer in LA. <laughs> cool. Uh, Suzanne. Okay. Once again, I love Chuck Norris films. Can Chuck act? No, but that roundhouse can act for him. And <laughs> I swear, he must have some super stretchy jeans to be able to pull that off. Well, he's got those Chuck, okay. the, the Chuck Norris action pants, naturally, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that, I mean, watching these movies later in life, and this is back before stretchy denim. I'm like, wow, and it is tight as they are? How the hell did he not rip anything? Yes, that's what my girl brain, that's what it decided to go to he, when I was watching this again. He must have bought the same pants that Bill Bixby bought then, see, you know, because we turned to the Hulk, the pants stayed on, everything else got torn off. Yeah, this one it's it is court side. It's a little bit of everything. It's you know, like I said, he's it, it's definitely got the the slasher aspect. But you know, it's like when he was killing these women, I the only thing that popped into my mind was Spider because he would just like kind of pop down out of the, out of nowhere, snap their neck, sometimes take them, sometimes leave them, and. Yeah, I I don't know. I just like I said, I just went to spider. Well, that's and... a good analogy. I think picturing him acting like a spider where he comes crawling down from his nest, that's really cool. And I mean the way he kept the bodies, same thing. Yeah, it's, exactly. He's not eating them. It's just like I said, there there is dolls. Did you just assume he's not a cannibal? Don't assume his taste in people. I know, I mean he... <laughs> I know. Don't assume because they're not I should not have made that leap. Don't assume because they're not sexually assaulted, they will get sexually assaulted later. Don't assume, you know. <laughs> but I'm a huge fan of the guy who played his partner who I I'm sorry, I just his name just I, it spaces me all the time whenever I see him. It's like, oh my god, I love this dude. And I think I loved him the best and to live and die in LA. Sorry. Because he got, I think he got shot in the dick. Uh, <laughs> one of the best pictures ever is Peter Weller and that girl saying, "How was there when RoboCop got when the RoboCop shot that guy in the dick or whatever that shirt says?" You know. <laughs> but I mean, it's it, the the Chuck Norris movies. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of substance, but damn it, they're just fun to watch. This one is one of the few that I think got a little long at points. And I was thinking one of the other things I was going to bring up was, yeah, he's trying to do this nice thing for his girl on her birthday. And honestly, if my husband sent out a cake with all my birthday candles on it, I would kill him on the spot with the knife. <laughs> I know his heart is in the right place, but yeah, I don't think the 
and I actually said that once, like, oh shit, don't do that. The sprinklers will turn on. <laughs> but I just, I, yeah, so this isn't the, the best of the Chuck Norris movies. It's certainly not the worst. It's still fun. I think this one's got more horror aspects to it. And I, I mean, the only other one that even comes close to me is Silent Rage. It'd be a good double feature, actually. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I thought that this was a sequel to Silent Rage. I thought it was the same guy. I swear. <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, it's a fun Chuck Norris movie. He beats some ass. It gets a little drawn out. You've got Superfly as the mayor and this awesome dude who's been in everything is his partner. And it's just it's it's a decent flick. I enjoy it. I my husband was playing that that who's that guy game with me. And I'm like, OK, do you remember Superman, too? And he's like, yeah. Remember Captain Zod? Yeah. Do you remember the chick? Yeah. Do you remember the other one? And he's like, yeah, that's him. But it's it's once again it's just it's a fun little movie. There's not a lot of substance, but it's just it's a fun watch. First of all, it's General Zod. You better recognize because you know. <laughs> uh, what did I call him? You called him Colonel Zod or something. You know. Oh, that's that's I that's, I not, that's not his title. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might be come Suzanne kneel before Zod. Yes. <laughs> That's how the foreplay starts right there, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this movie was the first time watched for me, and I've, I've I've never seen it before. I I pulled it off the strength of Wikipedia that this one sounded good. Be on the only strength that it starred Steve James, who will always be Kung Fu Kung Fu Joe from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker to Me, and. Uh, <laughs> And of course, uh, Jack O'Halloran, who's still very much with us uh, as as the bad guy, because you, you you see these guys they're, they're they're they act in these movies as like the heavy for the main bad guy, and you know you never get to see him be the heavy all the way in many things. Kind of like why we have a lot. I don't know if we all have a lot of love for Abraxas, but I have love for Abraxas because Finley Thorson's been in a lot of things as like Thug Number Two, but that's the film that he stars in. You know, and it's not a good acting performance, but, you know, he can say, hey, I, I was the number one bad guy in Abraxas, and he he'll always have that under his belt. So this film, uh, Jack O'Halloran plays a, a killer, uh, Simon Moon, who's very childlike, much like Michael Myers, who escapes from prison in, in a hilarious way. I don't know if he's using, like, piano wire to cut them bars, but he's really cutting away on them bars, and he hilariously oh. bends them to his will. <laughs> he used like a dental floss and then he mixed like the rock polishing powder stuff that's like you know that has that property of like like a gritty sandpaper and he like somehow mixed that up with uh lip lip uh lip gloss or something like that or, or chapstick like a chapstick right. stuff to make a paste and then he stuck that to the threads and then he used that to you know go back and forth and cut through the bars that would have taken forever but Clearly, he was a patient man, and he's been doing it for a while, and no one noticed. <laughs> just, just listen to that call, that that Cape Fear music playing in his head the whole time he's doing it. Do 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 do, you know. <laughs> the whole time he's just patiently waiting to get back at fucking Streetback and Joe Friday for hitting his balls in that drawer forever. And then Jack O'Halloran <laughs> shows up, 
counselor, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what they did to me there in that prison's are going to hurt a hell of a lot more than what this is going <laughs> to. That bike change scene, man, that's bad news. <laughs> anyway, back to the hero of the terror. You know, Chuck Norris is, is Chuck Norris. There's a reason why, you know, they put him in a lot of these movies because he's a star. No matter what the dialogue is, no matter what it is. As long as he can kick that roundhouse, you know, pe- pe- people people don't care, you know. And he plays douchey boyfriend real well in this movie to the point of, oh, the wife's in labor. But t- to be fair, she does tell him to leave. But I'm not quite sure why he came back towards the end to say, you know what, I could put, he doesn't say I could possibly die in this situation, but he basically said... I could possibly die in this situation. And she was like, go, go, go do your thing. Go kill this giant lummox with the massive hands. Uh, <laughs> he was so much douchey is completely clueless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was trying to be a good guy, but completely oblivious on how to do such a thing. Like, you know, showing a woman's age when she's hormonal and pregnant in a restaurant and to everybody with a thousand candles lit up all bright. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> And she's only 36. That's the part that really bugs me. I'm like, lady, you don't know what old age is yet. Just give yourself two to three years when you really start to fall apart. Oh, hey, I'm older than you. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> my body is an ancient, crumbling, possibly cursed temple. Oh, <laughs> Steve. Every. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, talking about aging every day, I feel like the guy who chose the wrong fucking grail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's clearly coffee mug that says Jesus on it. You know, right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve James, who's like, we, we mentioned how, how, how much uh, he's given to the action genre. It's pretty great as the, the, the streetwise Robinson. I'm, I'm still jealous of his... Uh, <laughs> it's only there for a split second. His his trucker WrestleMania, the vintage one back in the day, his hat is pretty great. Oh, yeah. I'm very jealous of that, and... Again, like you said, if you pick, you pick the way time to the wrong time to work on leg day by running around in that that thing, and uh, I mean, I I don't think our killer here is like as far as like having the smarts to think of the whole breaking the bars thing with the the combination of the thing. I I don't know if that is because it's basically like a giant child who who you know is is I guess collecting bodies for the winter. <laughs> There's a, there's a thing to where he's if you watch the film, the his first kill comes when he hides in this small space in the women's bathroom, which a man that size you wouldn't think he'd be getting through to these places, but you know he just he's just hiding in there, waiting to kill women, just killing bitches in the bathroom. You know this 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 is his thing. You know. <laughs> like, that's why I just got that impression of a spider. But a giant one to kill you in the bathroom? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to have to have Pat take me to the bathroom for the rest of the night. Uh, yeah, well, if you think about it, bathrooms are like Spider's favorite places, so Suzanne's analogy works perfect for this guy. Uh, Ron O'Neill was unusual to see him playing sort of the good guy as the mayor. You know, when I, I have my, my first impression of him was, and, I, and I, I, I didn't know until I looked it up, was he played the main Cuban uh um, general in Red Dawn, the one that, you know, those damn Wolverines, you know, shit like that, you know, I, I didn't recognize oh, it shit. right away until that, but I watched Red Dawn pretty early. 
I saw Superfly way later, so that was always the guy that the Wolverines were always outsmarting. And well, he <laughs> if you see Red Dawn, he wins at the end. Okay, you know. Spoiler alert! Yeah, indeed, <laughs> those Wolverines couldn't shoot for shit either, man. They took uh, training from stormtroopers, man. Yes, indeed. That's why I like the Red Dawn again. Suzanne hates remakes, but that Red Dawn remake. It was built in that Chris Hemsworth had some kind of military training to teach these kids how to shoot guns and stuff. So there was that. You know? Yeah, I call bullshit on that. Well, that's that's the way they built it into the plot. They did not build it into the plot of the other movie, Suzanne. Yeah, well, they grew up with guns and hunting in the the original. Okay, Suzanne, I am reading way too much if, into if, this. I need to if stop. If you don't stop, Suzanne, I'm going to fart into the microphone, Okay. okay <laughs> On his own show, just to prove a point. Yes. That's how we do. That's how we do. Uh, Billy. Also, you guys are you guys are arguing over Red Dawn, both the original and the remake. Can we just not argue over Red Dawn? Can we stop making it horrible? Stop. Can't we all just get along? Oh, stop the fighting, mom and dad. No. <laughs> Billy Drago is like the worst, like the, the most worthless doctor ever because. He knows about one patient, and that's it. But again, he's like your, your Dr. Loomis, but he's kind of like Dr. Loomis that hangs around in the background saying, yep, I know exactly what he's thinking. I know exactly what he's going to do next. And by the way, he's hiding a body. He's at this special place. Yada, yada, yada. But when when Ch- uh, Chuck Norris, uh, Danny, Danny O'Brien, asked him a question about his own, like, PTSD and, like, how, how do you, you know, how do you cope with this? He's like, oh, you'll never get well. Go away, stupid action man. You know, it's your doctor who, who's of psychology. You should know something to tell him. But he's like, you know what? You're stupid. Keep on walking on and go kick somebody in the face. Yeah. He should have recognized somebody he could fleece for money and pretend like he's going to help him even if he can't. And, That's what psychologists do. Age, you know. <laughs> but um, wait, wait, you, I forget. There's some, there's some great dummy action in this movie. I mean, oh yeah, when the guy falls for the ceiling, oh. it's like it's the most realistic-looking dummy I've ever seen in a canon film. Hey, if you watch it, there's like, there's only little flaws in the dummy fall, but you can see like the arm flailing slightly, but it's filmed at, at different angles, so so to not notice that it's a dummy all the way, so it works really good. But the dummy, <laughs> the, the the girl, I forget this, his second kill in the movie, the the blonde. When they find her body, that is clearly a mannequin under that blanket. You can you can see it. It's bad. It's not a real body. You know they couldn't find you know extra number fifteen to play dead blonde on the ground. It's like they got a dummy. They got resuscitation Annie. They threw her under that thing and put a wig on her and just said that was about it. And it's like, yeah, you could see that. You could see the bend in the elbow like a true actual mannequin would have, where they have their hand on their hip. They didn't even bother to move that in any it way, was, shape, or form. It, it was just really bad. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty obvious. Especially we, we watched the copy that came from the Blu-ray, and when it's in full HD, you could see everything. You saw that plain as day, and imagine people in theaters saw it plain as day too. That's not really a sign of the film. It's just the fact that. The great dummy work and, and the, the killer's fall, which the killer doesn't live to this film, people. Although I would love to see like, like him hit the him hit the um, the grandstand or whatever, whatever he fell on. He fell through the, the the end. Is Chuck Norris giving him a giant front kicker? No, he gives him a no because just when he runs out of strength because he he couldn't quite again he he tried to steal his finisher. He tried to snap his neck. It didn't work out. So Chuck Norris gives him like this football takedown tackle thing through a plate glass window, and he falls to his death in the theater. And I kept waiting for the killer to like 
you know, make a fist or something and like roll credits. Well, that's the part that they failed in the slasher genre. That's where it becomes like this, uh, you know, cop hunting down whatever or, you know, cop uh, on the beat kind of story instead. Because they could have totally done the Halloween thing where all of a sudden he's there on the seats when uh, <laughs> when Chuck Norris's character of O'Brien looks down and then the light distracts him from the helicopter. And then he looks and back he's and gone. he's gone and all of a sudden it's do 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 Well, he, he, had, the, he, he had that thing in, in Silent Rage, which if, if you watch the two together, this would kind of work if you want to think this is a sequel to Silent Rage in a way. Because the killer, I think, in Silent Rage gets thrown out a well, doesn't he? Yeah. Because he, he's yeah. literally an indestructible being, and like the only way to get rid of him is throw him down this well. And he's still very much alive, so let's say he got out of the well, uh, gained about 250 pounds, and became this lummox, uh, <laughs> Simon Moon, and just continues his killings in, in, in uh, here, and says, yeah. But he plays a whole different character. I don't know. Weird. Look. Le- like I said, when I was a kid, because he just gets kicked down the well, I was convinced that Hero and the Terror was a sequel to yes. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to Silent Ridge. I really was. Like, I was convinced of that when I was a kid. But it's real fun. I mean, they didn't, they didn't go... One of my favorite things about this film is they didn't go, like, like, super creative with the kills. He was just your basic stalker. He didn't have a knife. He, he used what he had, his fucking giant form, his giant hands, to, to kill these women... Not that I'm rooting for the killer or anything. It sounds like I really am. I'm, I'm not the guy who roots for, for women dying. But he he did it very efficiently with the tools that he had, and they didn't try to go too crazy, like, you know, plot-wise. They didn't psycho psycho it up, like, give me that, that, that tag on ending. You got very little from Billy Drago, and I appreciated that about, you know, his psyche. You know, that was about all you got. You didn't need to be having giantly explain to you like criminologist about why he is the way he is. I forgot to bring up a scene where he hilariously breaks the head off a carousel horse, you know? Oh yeah. Where he's having a flashback or like this weird vision of him doing that. Yeah. It's like, go faster, you fucking horse. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm too big for the ride. Fuck you. You know? (laughs) Oh, but good time here on the tear. I recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, the great folks at Kino Lorber who put out so much great stuff. I think they're higher than Scream Factory and me by now, but by the, by the content and the the quality they put out. Although Scream Factory is trying to creep back up again with some certain releases that I'm excited for. But Kino is awesome. And uh, they put out a release of this, probably with maybe an extra or two, but they're like Olive. They don't put a ton of extras on their stuff unless it's like... Which they did, they did a great job, and I haven't picked this up yet. The, um, the Man With No Name trilogy, they put two of those out now, I think. And uh, they look great, and they're just packed with all kinds of extras. So if you're not a fan of Kino, you haven't checked out Kino yet, go check out Kino Lorber, because they put out some good shit, and they put this out. So yes, they do. Go go buy this if you like, the, if you like this. It's available. Uh, I'll kick it to Suzanne, and I'll ask her anything else she'll say about this film, and what is her rating 1 to 10? Oh, it's, like I said, it's, it's a... Ch- Chuck Norris, it's fun. It's, like I said, it's got more horror aspects, which is always going to make me rate it just a little higher. You've got a great cast, and it's, like I said, it's just, it's it's fucking fun. Awesome, fun-ass movie. Um, I made it seven. Cool. There are better, there are worse, but seven, I'm right there to seven. All right, uh, Court? You know, nothing about this film should work. Nothing at all. 
I mean, it's so disparaging all these different points that are together and just so completely separate. And yet somehow you put it together, you throw it into the blender and it becomes this smoothie of awesome. It's a shitload of fun to watch. You completely ignore all of the bad things that you may normally nitpick in a film that keeps you bored. It's a slick hour and 30 minutes. I didn't feel bored at this at any point in time. Uh, and I watched it directly after watching Young Warriors, so that probably helped a good bit, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've got childhood love for it as well. Um, so that's going to raise me just a point above what I normally would rate it. So I'm going to put it right at an eight. Oh, yeah, me. I, I dug it. Like I said, it's the first time I've ever seen it. I just found out somebody put Firewalker on Blu-ray. That's another canon film that stars Chuck Norris, and that might be done on this show one day. We'll see what happens. But, uh, um, yeah, good times. Good, good killer. I, I love the killer, the simplicity of it. You don't get a lot of simplicity nowadays. Everything has to be over-explained to people. And I I, I said this before on a podcast, I resent Psycho for that last ten minutes of them just explaining everything about Norman Bates to you and why he is the way he is and blah, 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 blah. I've always resented that. And uh, not it doesn't make me hate it doesn't make me hate the movie, but I love it a little bit less for that because I, I don't think that I really needed all that. But um, this is a great... They, oh, I'm sorry. They, they needed that at the time with Psycho, but I agree. Watching it now, you're like, oh, just get on with it. I agree. But, um... Yeah, this one it's 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 a it's a good seven out of ten. It, it's not perfect. There's 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 a there's stuff in there that you know that, that people may think is not so good. You know, if you're looking for a real thin plot, I think it's a real simple plot that works with your your your, your real simple. The title of the film is called Hero and the Terror. You have the hero, and you have the terror, who's literally brutalizing these women, not sexually molesting these women. Brutalizing women. <laughs> so, so te- they, they lay that out three or four times throughout the course of the movie. <laughs> so technically, the terror has more respect for women than all the people in Young Warriors. So, right? <laughs> with, the, with the exception of Ernest Borgnine, who 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 nailed who 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 landed a ten in Linda Day George, you know, and Richard Roundtree because he's fucking Richard Roundtree. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> He is a sex machine to all the chicks, you know. Um, yeah, that's about it for this one. But we'll be right back to close off the show. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> that's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. 
Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request, make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing and we have a backstory and, but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks. and Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what about, I like it. Maybe instead of, you know, doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe Ooh. he can, you know, just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think, I, I mean, I, we might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like, like Robert England and you know sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors and and I think people will do that. I think. Sure. Why not? Well, you know what? I don't know. Maybe we're overthinking this whole thing. How about if we just tell people where to find us? I like that. You can find us at Who Will Survive on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Legion Podcast Network, and on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. Oh wait, can we do it? underwater oh, with that, piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool uh i don't think i've seen any deaths noted uh this week we do the show weekly now so it's kind of hard to say hey will some fucking folks die already so we can talk about it so no but just Roseanne's career. Just Roseanne's, yeah. Roseanne's career is <laughs> definitely I think we talked about that. It's definitely on the butcher's blocks. That was a dual segment today, people. So Kashin come back, folks, and good riddance to bad rubbish. And uh yeah, Hogan family that bitch. Do it, ABC. <laughs> yeah. The Connors, let's do it. In the part of every family. You can kill a pompous bitch, oh yeah, you know? <laughs> wow. Kill that pompous bitch. You kill their career, and I'll throw in the fucking Corey. He's fucking worthless, you know? Man, Roseanne, what a twat. <laughs> wow. <Man. laughs> but Court, uh, go ahead and pimper stuff, sir. Tell him where can find you. <laughs> when you're done being shocked and outraged at everything Gary just said, you can find oh, me. Nobody is shocked by that statement. <laughs> it is uh, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops for the website. I'm on the Googles. I'm on the Twitters. I'm on the uh, Apple podcast. All you got to do is just search for cinema psyops and you're going to find it somewhere that you can use for your podcatcher. Uh, also do the obsessive cinema discourse. That's kind of a quarterly, kind of a monthly show. Really, just whenever we can get it out, because it's three guys in three opposite spots across yes. the globe trying to make timing work out to record. That's scheduling for um, your ass, man, right there. Yeah, usually we have to do it like uh, late night for one guy, early evening for the other, and then too early in the morning for the third, and that's just how it works out. Um, we actually have one that's in the can right now. It's my responsibility to edit. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, maybe I'll get my shit together and I'll have it done, and it was my pick. And I'm just going to say we did it on your show as well. It's Sugar Hill nice. this time around. Yeah. Nice, nice. Suzanne? Um, you can find me on the NFW podcast. And, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Fly01 on Twitter. 
I'm also on the Book of Face. Follow the Bloody Ballerina. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this show and the two Jimmy commentaries. We ever recorded one about a month or so. It's 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 my fault for trying to get these out like weekly, and then not being able to schedule much else because of you know summer and work and anxiety issues, whatever. But we'll get we'll get some more of those out for you guys. I have a ticks episode that's already in the can, so maybe I'll get that out the same day I get this one out. Um, got lots of stuff to do for that. I have I have a, a folder full of movies that we can do for that show. So I'm I'm waiting to get something scheduled for that. So I haven't forgotten about you guys for that uh, Nudie and Willis and Jake the Snake and Suzanne respectively. But um, yeah, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Sid Cast. Uh, go go follow Legion as well on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, come join the Cinebeef group. Come join all the all the Legion groups. Court has one too, and NFW has one too. Go go check out all those groups. You can find uh, most podcast information as as it as it uh, is announced or announced and then rescheduled and then. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest bitch about this podcast thing, guys. If you're if you're new at this, scheduling is a is a cruel, is a cruel mistress, you know. I mean, this this was the last minute show. They're like, hey, Court, you want to do watch these two films and do a show with us tomorrow? He said, yeah, sure. It lines up with my schedule. I said, all right, you know. <laughs> all right. I, I said, I said that, and I owe you one. <laughs> oh, you never owe me nothing, man. It, it's it's all good. It's, <laughs> Whatever. You helped me disappear a dead hooker, man. I owe you a couple. Man. That's, that's that ten twenty two, man. You know. <laughs> no, sir. A ten twenty two is disappearing a dead hooker from Ben Affleck's trailer. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, it's better for this one. Next one, I don't know what's coming up next. I, I have stuff scheduled for next month. Uh, we're supposed to have that makeup show with uh, Maddie and Andrew from Friday the Thirteenth, so that'll probably happen next month. I have uh, a guest lined up for a particular show that month. Uh, guests for a show. I do not want to announce until it happens because I've learned not to overextend my reach with that kind of stuff. You know, some folks schedule stuff like months and months and months in advance. I'm not that savvy. I say, you know what? You want to do it there this time? Let's do it. And then we do it. And then, you know, it's good to have friends that are deal with my flightiness. So there, there's that. But uh, that's about it for this one. And always remember at the Sin Beef Podcast, <laughs> if you got beef, We've got the grinder. See you next time.